unless you have been living under a rock, and some of you, the way that this year has played out, wish that you had been living under a rock in 2020, but you know that we have been in the throes of a pandemic the last several months, or, or an outbreak, if you want to call it that. There's been a virus. Have you heard about this virus? We all have. And this virus uh, has affected a lot of people. And we know people who've contracted it. And many of them have done just fine with it. And others have had a real time with it. And this virus that we've been facing has, well, it spawned some other major problems for us in our country. You see, when most of the country stayed home several months ago and businesses were shuttered, Many Americans lost their jobs. Unemployment rates ballooned earlier in the year, in March and April. And when you combine this with the scenes of civil unrest that we saw play out on our TVs while we were home, anxiety and mental stress have been on the rise. A recent study showed that one-third of U.S. adults have reported symptoms of clinical anxiety and depression in recent months. And there's grave concern and some evidence that shows there's a potential, at least, for rising suicide rates. People are concerned about that. About an increase in drug use and domestic violence. All stemming from the events of this year we are facing what we might call the other pandemic. And one that is also dangerous and even deadly. And I'm not minimizing the threat of the virus. I'm just saying that it has spawned some other major problems for us that have created what we might call a pandemic of despair. Many have been plunged as a result of this virus and related factors and other issues as well, into a season of despair. You know, the psalmists have an image for this kind of thing, for a season of despair. They call it the pit. In Psalm 88, verse 6. Psalm 88, by the way, among the 150 in our collection in the Old Testament, I would say is the darkest and most depressing. The psalmist says to God, addresses this to God, you have put me in the depths of the pit, in the regions dark and deep. In our text, which this morning is from 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And I would invite you to turn there, starting at verse 8. We've been talking about 1 Timothy. We're going to take a break from, from our series in 1 Timothy this morning. And we're going to be instead in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, starting at verse 8. In our text, Paul describes a season of despair in his life. He begins writing to the church at Corinth. We do not want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, of the affliction that we experienced in Asia. Listen to him. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength 
that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. Paul says to the church at Corinth, there was a season of despair that was so intense, we felt utterly burdened beyond our strength. He, in essence, says to them, I was in the pit. I was in the pit. So apparently, you can be a good Christian, you can be faithful to God and still experience despair. You can still feel down and out every once in a while. And the Corinthians needed this reminder. Because they thought that weakness and suffering was a sign of a lack of faith. And that's why we find Paul over and over again in 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians defending his identity as, a, as an apostle and showing them that just because you went through hard times doesn't mean that God has forsaken you. That's what they thought. They thought if you were experiencing difficulty, it was a sign of your own faithlessness and a sign that God was not with you. And so they needed to be reminded, they needed to be told that faithfulness and affliction and accompanying despair are not mutually exclusive. And maybe we need this reminder too. Because sometimes we are very uncomfortable with fellow Christians being stuck in a long-term season of despair. And we're tempted to smack them on the back and tell them to slap a smile on their face and say, hey, this is God's plan. You just need to submit to it and go on and be happy. Sing and be happy. We like to rush people through the hard times so they can come out on the other side more quickly so that they can be happy again. So maybe we need this reminder too. That you can still be a good Christian and experience despair. Even the Apostle Paul went through a, a season that was so difficult that he said, we felt utterly burdened beyond our strength. Why the despair, Paul? Why is even Paul, the author of so many of the documents in our New Testament and the one who traveled about preaching the gospel and establishing churches, why is he experiencing despair? Well, he says it's this affliction that he and others, his co-workers, experienced in Asia. What was that? What was that affliction? Well, there's several options here. Was it the riot that happened in the city of Ephesus recorded for us in the latter part of Acts chapter 19? The very riot that causes Paul to depart from the city? We know Ephesus was a prominent city in Asia Minor. And because of the preaching of the gospel, the people in that town got very upset. And Acts tells us there was no little disturbance. Everybody rushed into the theater and Paul tried to go in there, but some other Christians, some other disciples in the area said, Paul, you better not. And it was after this big hullabaloo that Paul decided he needed to, he needed to skip town. Was it that? 
Was that the great affliction? Was it a flare-up of some illness that was nearly fatal for Paul? Was it possibly related to his thorn in the flesh? That he talks about in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. He says, in order to keep me humble, God gave me a thorn in the flesh. We never know what this is. Maybe it is some sort of physiological problem, that, uh, some physical problem that Paul had. Is it connected to this? Is it some illness? Is that what the affliction is? Was it a time of imprisonment? We know Paul was in and out of prison in his ministry. Maybe it was a time of imprisonment when he faced execution. Was it intense opposition from his fellow Jews? We know when he converted that he made a lot of enemies. Because he was zealous for the Jewish faith. And he committed his life to persecuting Christians. And then he suddenly changed teams. And the Jews were angry at that. Is the affliction of which he speaks simply a metaphor for his difficult, his gut-wrenching relationship with the Corinthian church? He's writing to the Corinthian church and we know that they had a fraught relationship and he had to be very frank with them and blunt about the ways that they were falling short in church life and in their individual lives of the glory of God. We can't know for sure. So let's not speculate anymore about Paul. Let's think about us. Because you are more clear about the affliction that you face. What is it? Maybe it's connected to the factors that we mentioned earlier. The stuff that we've been dealing with in this crazy year in 2020. Maybe it's related to that. Or maybe it's something totally different. What has thrown you down into the pit? Maybe it's a difficult decision that you recently had to make. That had a lot of, uh, you know, had a lot of ramifications. Affected a lot of people. Maybe it's a problem in your family. An issue with your spouse or your kids. You're heartbroken over the decisions that somebody in your family is making. Maybe that's thrown you down into the pit. Maybe that's plunged you into a season of despair. Maybe it's an issue at work. You don't know how much longer you can stay where you are. You can be employed because of issues with your boss or your coworkers, Maybe you're doing just fine this morning, but I'd say in a crowd this size, there's some people who can say, yes, I am dealing with an affliction. And it's causing me to despair. And whatever it was for Paul, he says here that he was burdened beyond his strength. And this is the point at the text when we might want to rush in and, and interrupt Paul and say, hey, Paul, you can't say that. You can't say that. Don't you know that God won't give you more than you can handle? You hear that, right? Maybe you've even said that. The problem with that statement is, it's not in the Bible. God never said that. Now, God did say, the scriptures do say in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, that he will not allow us to be tempted beyond what we can bear. He'll always provide a way of escape. But never does the Bible say that we will never be given more than we can handle. Certainly, we sometimes feel that we are burdened beyond our own strength. And absolutely, it's true that without God's help, we do have more on us than we can bear by ourselves. But Paul here says, we were burdened beyond our strength. We had more on our shoulders than we could bear. 
The burden was too great for us. He admits that he's overwhelmed. You know, even Jesus admitted in the garden on the night that he was betrayed. He said, my soul is very sorrowful even unto death. That's Matthew chapter 26. Jesus could admit that. Paul could admit that. Can we admit that on occasion? I think there comes a time when we need to admit that. We need to be able to say, I do have more on me than I can bear. And I need help. I can't go this alone. I need my God and I need God's people to help me through. Paul's despair, he says, is so great. He feels like his life is on the line. He, he says, we despaired of life itself. We didn't want to go on living. Now that's something. That is intense despair. And he's not the only one in the Bible who has experienced this. It sounds like Paul is having a Job moment. Do you remember in Job chapter 3, after he faced those enormous calamities in his life, Scripture tells us he cursed the day of his birth. I wish I'd never been born. He says, let the day perish on which I was born. That's what Job says. Or from pop culture, we could say, Paul is having a George Bailey moment. George Bailey from It's a Wonderful Life, who was so down and out and in the dumps about the way his life was going, said to his angel Clarence, it's a fictional story by the way, his angel, I wish I had never been born. And that's what prompts him to show George a world in which he had never been born and how much it, the world would be different. In a bad way. I wish I'd never been born. Paul is saying, we wished we'd never been born. We felt we had received the sentence of death. A sentence of death. He says, I feel like I'm a dead man walking. That's some intense despair. But, and it's this but in the middle of 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9 that is the hinge on which our text turns. Paul says, after all this, at the end of verse 9, that was to make us, all of that, the affliction, the despair, the, bird, the, the being burdened beyond our strength. That was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on the God who raises the dead. Paul says, if it wasn't, Listen, if it wasn't for the deep despair, then we wouldn't have developed a deep reliance on God. So Paul says, there is grace in your struggles. And he says, despair and difficulty can reap spiritual benefits in your life. Paul says, hey, it was really difficult. It was really bad. We despaired of life itself. But I tell you what, if we, if we had not experienced that, we would not have been forced in a way that only hardship can do. We would not have been forced to rely on the God who raises the dead. And that phrase is key. Because there's one aspect here of God's identity that was the game changer for Paul and company. 
this one aspect of, of God that he really hones in on that changed, that shifted his entire paradigm, and it's this, the God who raises the dead. We remembered in the pit of despair that we serve a God who raises the dead. He says our despair had us feeling as good as dead, but then we remembered we serve a God who can raise the dead. Now, the psalmist worships in the Old Testament the God who lifts us up from the pit. That's Psalm 40, verse 2, and you can find it elsewhere in the Psalms. But this takes on a whole new meaning for Christians. When we read the Old Testament, when we read the Psalms through the lens of our faith in Jesus Christ, it takes on a whole new world of meaning. Because that same God who the psalmist says lifts him up from the pit is the God who raised Jesus from the dead. That same God who lifts the psalmist up from the pit is the God who will raise us from the dead at the end of time when Jesus returns. That same God is the God who in this life moves us from death to life. And that's in the here and now. One of my favorite verses in the New Testament is Romans chapter 8, verse 11. And I'm still... Still figuring this thing out. Still trying to grasp the fullness of what Paul has to say here. He says, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. He who raised Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So the same source of power that caused Jesus to come back to life. The spirit of God dwells in you. Now, that's some unmatched power. It reminds me of a song that we sing from time to time. Christ is risen from the dead, trampling over death by death. So come awake. Come awake. Come and rise up from the grave. We serve a God who raises the dead. He has raised us. To walk in newness of life in the midst of this old dying world. So maybe this is a season of despair for you. Maybe you're facing affliction of some kind. Maybe you feel you're down in the pit. Well, I just want this sermon to be a simple reminder to you that you serve a God who raises the dead. Now, I want to level with you. No, the darkness will not fully subside in this age, not until the Lord returns. And sometimes you will be burdened beyond your strength, despite what some people might say. You might even, you might even despair of life itself. You might even think, I wish I had never been born. And I'm not here to rush you through your season of despair. I'm not here to tell you to put on a brave face and pretend like you're not having any problems. I'm not here to tell you you need to sweep all that stuff under the rug and be in denial about it. I just, I want to provide you with a glimmer of hope. It's really more than a glimmer. The hope that comes only through faith in Jesus Christ. The Son. Of the God who raises the dead. Who raised him from the dead. 
Paul says in verse 10, He delivered us. Let me tell you, this is Paul's testimony here to the Corinthian church. He says, we were dealing with this affliction. It produced despair. But then we remembered that we serve a God who raises the dead. In verse 10, he delivered us from such a deadly peril. And he will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. He delivered us out of that. And that gives me proof that he will deliver us again. But I'm confident that even if God had not directly delivered Paul out of this season of despair from this affliction, he would say, as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said in the Old Testament, I don't care. We believe God will deliver us from the fiery furnace, but even if he does not, we will continue to worship him. He's still worthy of our worship. I believe Paul would have said that because the fact is, if God doesn't deliver you from all your problems in this life, you can at the very least know that there will be deliverance in the life to come. And I shouldn't even say at the very least, as if it's a small thing. It's a big thing. There will be deliverance in the life to come. There will be a judgment. There will be justice. There will be glory. There will be eternal life for those who place their faith in Jesus Christ. There will be no tears in heaven. There will be no mourning. There will be no sadness. There will be no affliction. There will be no despair. Because you and I serve a God who raises the dead. And as the psalmist says, weeping may tarry for the night. But joy comes in the morning. In Ezekiel chapter 37, God takes the prophet out to this field. There's all these dried up bones laying everywhere. And God says to the prophet Ezekiel, do you think these bones can live? And Ezekiel says, only you know that, God. And lo and behold, God raised up those dry bones. And he put flesh on those bones and he animated them and he breathed life into them. He made those old dry bones live. Can these dry bones live? God asks. God answers his own question with a resounding yes. God can make these dry bones live too. God can lift us up from the pit. God can deliver us from our despair. From our affliction. If you're not a baptized believer today, you can come and repent of your sins, confess the name of Jesus, be buried in the waters behind me, and you'll be raised up. God will raise you up so you can walk in newness of life. If you're struggling, we want to come alongside you in your struggle. If you're afflicted, if you're in the pit, if you're dealing with despair, come, we want to pray with you. We want to pray for you. We want you to know that you're supported and loved. We don't want you to feel embarrassed about saying, I'm utterly burdened beyond my strength. I even despair of life itself. You can come and you can share those feelings not only with God, but with us. We want to help you. We want to help you carry that load. Let us do that for you this morning as we stand and sing.